Hey there, and welcome back to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and recovering from COVID-19. Almost recovered. Still tired some days, but I no longer am infectious, which is great, so you can safely listen to this. And I'm feeling a whole lot better. This episode is brought to you free of advertisements and all sorts of nagging thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. A great community. We gather on Discord every day. It's a fun place to hang out with uh, the core supporters of what I do. And if you want to be one of those people that enable me to make these shows, then by all means, take a look at Father Roderick on Patreon. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So many countries that are in this jingle. (laughs) Ireland, I wish I could go back to Ireland and travel to France and to Italy, but all those countries that I used to visit several times per year are all in lockdown right now. The The situation in Europe is getting really dire. We're definitely in the middle of this second wave. And from the looks of it, in my country, it's getting worse than the first wave. It's probably due to COVID fatigue. People are not as vigilant anymore. Um, There's also a lot of misinformation, which is very scary. There is a a, a ton of deliberate uh, misinformation that's being uh, spread, even through, like... um, uh, papers that people receive at home, um, there there are definitely some destabilizing entities, I think, in 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 our world that are trying to use this COVID crisis to uh, to destabilize our countries and to destabilize our our uh, our politics. You have to be very aware of that, and um, I think because of that misinformation, there is also there is a certain group of people that do not really want to comply to the rules that we create together to keep this virus under control. And so you only need a few people that don't stick with the rules to create these, these, you know, uh, new fires. It's, it's very similar to a fire. You only need one person with a match and uh, who doesn't care, doesn't pay attention, or even worse, deliberately causes a fire. And it can destroy so many trees and 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 property of people and and put us in danger and with the virus it's it's the same i'm i'm often baffled to see um these protests happening where people are uh, and and then the, the 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 kind of stuff that these people say the 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 these these QAnon theories and all this misinformation on social media i never thought that the that our social uh, media platforms would would cause this kind of uh, would give so much power to certain groups or people or individuals that whose only goal it seems to be to to confuse society to uh, create um, uh, deliberately um, uh, what's the word wantrouwen. That escapes me. Uh, that that makes people be suspicious of of the media, of scientists, and then replace those sources of information with you know, fake news and 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 ridiculous uh, conspiracy theories. It it is so interesting and also frightening to see how our society reacts to tension and to stress because this is a stress reaction. If there's no danger, if there's nothing to worry about, then, you know, I don't think that a lot of this misinformation and these conspiracy theories would have many followers. But when people are afraid, they they want to believe anything. That's always been the case. Also, you know, faith-wise, where do you see a lot of superstition? It is when people lose control of their lives, when they are afraid of their future, so they try to kind of get a grip on things by simplifying it uh, or by believing in, you know, magic or whatever, uh, tarot cards. or it's, it's all, I think, ways in which we try to deal with stress and fear. But it's not the best way. It's certainly not the healthiest way. I've been quite fearful over the past three weeks, especially 
when after two weeks I was still struggling with a headache and I still had fevers and I still had a completely destroyed night rhythm and I was always tired. I was like, well, what if, what if I'm going to this new phase where the virus actually gets a hold on my body and starts destroying my internal organs? And, you know, it was a possibility. It was a real possibility. I did not have light symptoms. So, uh, but for me, the, the biggest um, exercise, the, 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 the best thing that I think I could have, I could do is just be patient and always project yourself in the future. You know, 10 years from now, I'm going to look back on this time and I'm going to see the lessons learned. And of course, provided that I survive this, uh, you know, this, this, this too shall pass. Um, to stay calm, to not become too depressed, also not overfeed me with just too much negativity. Um, I've been even more strict when it comes to curating my social media feeds, um, which is uh, quite a challenge, especially that I follow a lot of people in North America. And as you know, of course, uh, the uh, presidential campaigns are uh, in their final phase so wow, try to try to 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 balance that in your newsfeed. It's it's really hard. Um, but what I do is I compensate it with a lot of of positive stuff. So I deliberately follow I don't know just cat videos and um, source of entertainment and humor and um, it's it's all in the balance. The world is is completely out of whack. But it's not going to fix itself. But you can definitely change your outlook on the world by, by keep trying to create a balance between you know, being informed, informing yourself, following good sources of information, but also steering clear of the negativity and uh, all the, you know, the fake news and the conspiracy th theories or, or trying, you know, which never works, trying to convince other people that they're wrong. Um, I think it's it's much better to uh, to just stay calm. Think of what Therese of Avila said: "Solo Dios, basta." You know, nada te turbe. Let nothing worry you. Let nothing concern you. Um, Quien a Dios tiene nada le falta. Who holds on to God lacks nothing. Uh, Solo Dios, only God suffices, and. Um, I, th I think that's that's probably my spiritual training during these uh, uncertain weeks, <clears throat> and also having to let go of uh, you know any control any control I thought I had. There there was nothing I could do about this virus or, or about its uh, the course it took in in my particular situation. Uh, so you just take it as it is, and try to stay friendly, uh, also towards yourself. You know, when you can't sleep, when you feel like rubbish, not getting angry, but just trusting that this too shall pass and, uh, and think of positive things. <laughs> Isn't that the Peter Pan advice? You know, think happy thoughts, uh, focus on, on the happy things. Um, unfortunately, there were a couple of, uh, of, of positive factors in my life and, you know, some of them I'm going to talk about in this uh, episode of my weekly show, starting with the world of movies and TV shows. If there's one source of inspiration and joy and humor in my life, it's, it's TV, it's Netflix, it's, uh, it's, it's Amazon Prime uh, or Disney+. Plus. Those are the three big channels that I'm subscribed to. And uh, it, it helps in difficult times. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. Now I'm going to give it to you. So, yesterday... We got the first episode, or actually, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday? Time flies when you're having COVID. <laughs> uh, 
We got the first episode of this of the third season of Star Trek Discovery. Now, for new listeners, let me come clear. Yes, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm also a huge Star Trek fan. I've always been. Um, very different things. It's really ap- pears, and, pears and apples, but I can enjoy both. And I've really loved what they did uh, for the past two years with the reboot of Star Trek, be it with Picard or with uh, uh, Star Trek Discovery. I'm not sure about Lower Decks. I haven't seen any of those episodes. They're not available on any of the streaming platforms here in the Netherlands. So I can't say anything about that. What I've seen so far, the snippets didn't really impress me that much. But who knows? I've been wrong about uh, animated series in the past. Um, But definitely Discovery, I think, has been extremely interesting in, in the sense that they went back in time uh, and, and, and it was really a love letter, I think, to, to the Star, Star Trek fans. They really tried to integrate a lot of, even the, the more, the, the, I don't know, the clunkier things of the Star Trek canon. And they tried to kind of re, reintroduce that. And uh, so there are a lot of little details in Star Trek Discovery that uh, I think are are showing how much the people involved love Star Trek. And at the same time, it's it's a very different beast from Star Trek Next Generation or Deep Space Nine. This is definitely Star Trek for 2020. Um, storytelling is different. Sensibilities are different. Our society is different. Our culture is different. So it makes sense that storytelling reflects that. And at the same time, I've always admired how they try to bring these the core themes of Star Trek into this changed world. And with this first episode of the third season, I think they did something really bold by going into the future. I'll try to keep this as much as I can spoiler-free. But by going to a future that Star Trek has never ventured in, they basically begin with a a blank slate. And at the same time, uh, the first episode shows us that even though time may have passed, and a lot of time may have passed, ultimately... Rational beings don't change that much. The, 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 the basic principles of our, of our societies stay the same. And so people do have, have the same ideals and they, have the, they still make the same mistakes. We, we, we are very slow learners, I think. But it's uh, what, I, what I really loved about this first uh, episode of the third season is that it's all about uh, reviving ideals in a broken world. The future is is different from the u- utopian future that was always the hallmark of Star Trek, right? Um, Star Trek was born in the 60s and the 70s, where it was all about, you know, there's one, one day there's going to be this future without money, without wars, without stories, of course. That's the big problem. You, you, need, you need conflict for a story to work. But the idea was uh, that Star Trek should always be about the hope that we can have that in the future... The planets will work together, they will form this federation, they'll protect each other. Um, and, uh, of course, in, in Star Trek, we, we, in order to have a story, that harmony needs to break. But in Star Trek Discovery, they break it pretty, pretty hard. I mean, there's almost nothing left in the future of the ideals of the past. And so I think this new season is all going to be about, about finding the heart of the United Federation of Planets again, uh, trying to maybe search and rediscover the, what makes Star Trek Star Trek, uh, the, 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 the real message of Star Trek. And I think why it resonates so much with me, at least, is that our world, our current world, is very much like this dystopian future that we discover in Star Trek Discovery. Our world has also changed, and it didn't take 950 years to change. If you, if you think back of what your life looked like, what your Facebook or Twitter feed looked like five years ago, compared to now, and how we treat each other, how we talk about things, how we debate and fight, it's almost as if everything is gone everything we thought, the stability that we had, this prosperity, and then the virus as well has been this major shock to our system that can really also attack our, our faith and our hope. 
um, because a lot of the balance is is gone, and so we're we're all kind of struggling to figure figure out where to go now, and it creates uncertainty. Uncertainty makes people anxious. Anxiety and fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. <clears throat> no, all this you you do. Um, sorry, that was not Star Trek, but um, and but I st- I think what what Star Trek tries to do is to tell a story in this broken situation where it's all about but hey let's go and find find the federation again let's let's find each other again which i think is a is a message that we need to hear in these times of division uh, where everybody seems to be fighting everyone uh, where there is so much interference from, for instance, from Russia right now, which we have with these troll farms and these deliberate misinformation campaigns that are financed from the darkest corners of our uh, society. Um, in, in these times where we are pulled apart, we need to tell each other stories uh, to encourage each other, to find each, to find each other again, to, to unify. Um, that's never a given. It's never automatic, it's never easy. But it is feasible, but it requires us to do something uh, instead of just accepting the world the way it is. Uh, so be- being this positive force, that's what Star Trek is about, being having this positive impact on, on the galaxy and knowing that even you can make a difference. Even, you know, and, and that's history has shown us in the saints the same thing. Even... The smallest people, people that were sick, think of Therese of Lisieux. She's been sick for, for years, and she's had a massive impact on millions of people. I wouldn't be a priest without her. Um, and, and so there are so many examples of one, two, three people, you know, doing something with their faith, changing the world for the better, and then that starts to spread like a virus or like a fire, but in a good way. Um, so having, having stories that reflect that faith in the future is, I think, what we need. So I have high hopes for Star Trek. I hope, uh, I hope it's going gonna, it's gonna to deliver on, uh, on what definitely seems to be its promise. <laughs> Catholics rock! Peculiar Bunch, we are always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you are afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And while this jingle is playing, thanks to the chat room, I finally understand the whole disco thing with Star Trek. Huh. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So there have been these T-shirts and memes and whatnot, and it was all related to Star Trek, and it also always said disco. And I, I never got it. Like disco, I was thinking John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever, and Bee Gees and stuff like that. That's what my mind was telling me. And then now I see it in the chat room. I'm thinking disc, disc, discovery, disco, disco. Oh, dude. <laughs> Must be the COVID that has fried my brain for good. <laughs> anyway, thanks chat room for for finally clearing that up. For 2 years I've been asking myself, why disco? What what is the deal with disco in Star Trek? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh today I want to talk a little bit about uh Fratelli Tutti, which sounds almost like a Italian dish, don't you think? I will here you have this beautiful fratelli fratelli tutti with a bit of uh, parmesan cheese and uh, some tomato sauce. Uh, beautiful fratelli tutti. Tutti frutti. <laughs> but fratelli tutti is the name of the new encyclical letter that um Pope Francis has published. After months of reflection um, and a lot of the things that he discusses, and it's a long encyclical letter, I'm not going to lie, I haven't read it yet, 
because I just didn't feel like it and I get easily distracted. Maybe that's also COVID or it's just me being lazy, but I haven't read it yet. But I've, I've heard some summaries um, and from, from what I've heard, it's long, but it's good. And it's a very pertinent message about uh, the fraternity that the world needs, the solidarity uh, that needs to motivate us. And uh, this idea that we can't leave people behind in these difficult times. We cannot say uh, that only the rich countries will, will do well. We, 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 in, in the, the, the virus doesn't make a distinction between the people from whatever country they are or how rich you are, whether you're black, white, green, or blue, uh, or, or no matter what faith you have. It, it strikes everywhere, the virus. But so... We, too, as ultimately brothers and sisters with the same Father in heaven, we should... I need to sneeze here to have... Uh, I need to sneeze. Oh, it's gone. Oh, I thought I had to sneeze. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's this idea that if the virus doesn't make any distinctions, we should have that same attitude towards each other and not leave poorer countries in the dust just because they don't have the money to pay for, you know, the, the medication or the vaccine when it comes out. But it goes deeper than that, of course. It's all about uh, being focused on your neighbor. It's ultimately what Christ gives us as a commandment, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, <clears throat> and and then thinking that through, what does that mean for the way in which we work together as nations, as people? Um, do we really translate? This is a commandment. This is not optional. This is not just a like a footnote in what Jesus told us. This is the core of what he tries to make clear by, of course, showing it himself, how he never really makes it, distinguishes between people. Um and so it is a call for action that, that we should learn from, the, from this corona crisis. We, we discover that we're all the same for this virus and that we need each other and that, that the poorer countries need the richer countries. And, and that is also the way to freedom and to happiness and to peace. And if we choose the opposite, if we, uh, if we make our choices on the basis of our own egotistical uh, desires, not looking at our neighbor, not hearing the cry of the poor, then we will ultimate, ultimately also hurt ourselves because we cannot live without each other. That We've been created by God as people that have a heart that can go out to someone else and actually needs to go out to, to, to friends and to our family. If, if, it, if it doesn't, if it stays, if our heart is closed on itself, it becomes unhappy and, and, and dries out and dies in the end. Um, I think that there is also a probably, just speculating here, a very practical reason why Pope Francis comes with this encyclical letter right now, and it's because he has seen the, uh, the results of, of not of this lack of solidarity and this this uh, the, the the devastating effects of the lust for money and power in his own direct circles, the whole you know drama around Cardinal Bachu, who's been stripped of his uh, rights as a cardinal by the Pope because of embezzlement, alleged embezzlement. Of course, it's still an ongoing. Uh, investigation, but the, uh, you can bet that that there is a lot of proof here. Otherwise, they would certainly not do something as public as this. That is just not the way the Vatican operates. But they must know. They must be very, very certain of what they do. Plus, uh, there are more people that are now implicated in this. Um, in a way, Pope Francis is trying to drain the swamp, uh, and uh, but he does it. I think by always also leading in the sense that it's, it's this is not just taking out the bad apples. This is about healing the church from its from itself. Uh, this this egotism, uh, selfishness. It, it's it's a virus. 
that can infect any one of us. And so as a doctor, as a physician almost, he, he not only does he take out the people that are ill and, and, and maybe terminally ill uh, to protect us, but he's also giving us the advice how how to keep the how to steer away from from these infections from this sickness in the church, um, and so you have to see this this uh, encyclical letter almost as a medical sp- prescription. We don't want the church to be this sick, and the church is sick. Last in the last episode, I've also spoken at length about you know the some of the the almost. Uh, unimaginable things that are happening in in the church itself so the church is sick in in, and in many on many different levels i think but at the same time god has given us a, a whole number of good doctors and one of them i think is is pope francis so we should listen to his advice follow his guidance um and do our part we cannot just look at the bishops or at the priests or or the pope to fix things for us if you want to change the world, you got to start with yourself. And uh, fortunately, there is some good advice in Fratelli Tutti that I think we can all benefit from. So uh, I encourage you and I encourage myself to take some time over these next couple of weeks to to download that text. You can find it for free on the website of the Vatican and, and just read it and reflect on it and uh, try to always... Find the lessons for your own personal situation. Um, I'll definitely follow up on this as soon as I've had some time to uh, to read Fratelli Tutti. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Hey, even though I've kind of fell off the bandwagon when it comes to reading one book a week, I still keep buying books. <laughs> when I see a good deal, I can't stop myself from uh, from adding it to my Kindle library. And just the other day, I bought a series written by Charlie uh, Holmberg. Sounds like a man, but it's actually a female writer. And she is also the author of a very pretty pretty popular uh, magician series called The Paper Magician. It's, I think it's a trilogy. I bought those books as well. Um, I think they're geared towards a somewhat younger audience, although it's not Harry Potter-like, but it is definitely aiming for, let's say, young adult uh, demographics. Um, what I like about that is easy to read. It's very you know, relaxed reading, and right now, when I'm still not entirely recovered, I appreciate the stuff that doesn't require too much, uh, uh, you know, brain activity. Uh, not, to, not to say that this is completely brainless, but uh, the, first, the first book of the trilogy is called Smoke and Summons, and it is part of a trilogy called the Numina series, um, let me just look this up on, uh, uh, what is it? I was going to read this on, on Goodreads. I thought I saw, oh, wait, how does this work? I've got this Kindle app, and usually it, it gives you like a short breakdown of this, of the, of the book itself. And I thought I had that actually ready for me to read, and now I can't find it anymore. Um, technology. Oh, the other day I've been looking for two hours to find um, to find a message that someone sent me. And I was like, I can't find that message. It wasn't in my email. It wasn't in my Facebook Messenger messages. Then you have also people can send you messages on Facebook even when you're not friends, but then they end up in a different part of the Messenger app. Very hard to find. Uh, then I was like, maybe, maybe I got it through Instagram, and it ultimately ended up being like a direct message on Twitter. Like I never get direct messages on Twitter. Anyway, I find it. I found it. Sorry. So on the Kindle app, I got to look about this book. 
Smoke and Summons by Charlie Holmberg. A captivating world of monsters and magic from the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of the Paper Magician series. As a human vessel for an ancient spirit, Sandis lives no ordinary life. At the command of her master, she can be transformed against her will into his weapon, a raging monster summoned to do his bidding. Unlike other vessels, Sandis can host extremely powerful spirits, but hosting such creatures can be fatal. To stay alive, she must run. And in a city fueled by smoke and corruption, she finds a surprising ally. A cunning thief for hire, Roan owns a rare device that grants him immortality for one minute every day. That's funny. Immortality for one minute every day. I guess if you jump from a window, you fall down. As, as long as you hit the ground within one minute, you still, you still live. Hmm. A unique advantage that will come in handy in Sanda's fight for freedom. But Sanda's masters know, or Sanda's master knows how powerful she is. He's determined to get her back, and he has the manpower to find her wherever she runs. Now, to outwit her pursuers, Sanda's must put all her trust in Roan and his immortal device. For her master has summoned more than mere man to hunt her down. That sounds, that sounds cool. I like that. So 329 pages, typical time to read, according to my Kindle, five hours and 45 minutes. So I could read that in one, for, in one afternoon. Hmm, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to catch up on my pledge to read one book every day. All right, with that, I think it is time to move over to the world of technology. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. So, the um, Oculus Quest 2 came out this week. Um, haven't ordered it yet because, well, I already have the Oculus Go, which is actually no longer being supported, to my chagrin, because that was actually a very affordable, nice introduction to the world of VR. But I can understand that it's not very powerful. Uh, it's running on a very old-fashioned chip. The Quest 2 was a lot better. Um, also had these uh, controllers that work really well. Plus, it's, uh, you know... It, the the Go only allowed you to look around with the Oculus Quest. You can, you can actually move around. I don't have a, a, a room that is big enough to do real, you know, walking. But uh, I was very impressed with what the Quest 2, what, what, what the Quest could do. Um, most impressive app, or actually two impressive apps. One is fishing, which is really uh, very uh, relaxing and, and realistic. Uh, I think it's called Real VR Fishing or something like that. And then you've got the Vader Immortal series, which is amazing. You're just inside a Star Wars story in full VR. It is fantastic. Well, the the, the Oculus Quest 2 uh, is based on kind of the same infrastructure, you could say. Uh, so you can it's meant to be a standalone thing, even though you can just like the the Quest One, you can you can hook it up to your computer and then use Steam VR. Also, but you need a quite powerful computer to run stuff from your computer and send it to your headset. Um, the Quest 2 has a much higher resolution. They made some improvements. They also downgraded some of the elements, <coughs> especially uh, the distance between the lenses. So our eyes at our, are at different distances for most people. Um, so, of course, to get a very good 3D image, you need to know the distance and make sure that the lenses are are at that you know, same distance from one another. Um, in order to save costs, they off, that's the, th the thing they remove the quickest. So for the Quest 1, there is a lever that you can use to optimize it. And that was actually one of the boons of the Quest over the Go, which didn't have that. Um, in the Oculus Quest 2, you really ha I think there are only like three positions for the lenses, and it's kind of clunky. There's not a lever. You have to really push them into place with your thumbs. Um, 
but apparently it works for uh, the majority of, of the people. Um, so higher resolution, much more powerful processor. This is not using old mobile phone tech that's using a specific chip that has been designed for VR applications. Um, they also cut some corners on the hand on the headband, which I think was also a, a very good aspect of the of the quest. Uh, on the Quest 2, apparently, it's not very good, and, and there is a an ad additional accessory that you can buy, like a headband that has an integrated battery and, and uh, kind of feels much, much better. So I guess for the real fans, that is uh, a must-buy. Um, so, but I, the reason that I haven't made the jump yet is that I'm thinking it's gonna, there's obviously going to be an Oculus Quest 3 Plus, I still don't have a computer that can fully run, uh, you know, Steam VR stuff. Uh, it's I don't have a computer that, that's fast enough, so I first want to get that. Um, I did dabble a little bit with Steam VR using the computer that I'm currently recording on, or actually, well, I'm not recording on it. I'm recording on the Rodecaster, but I'm sitting in front of the computer that I use to edit my my uh, TV show. So that's a pretty powerful computer. Um, and even, it's two years old now, and it's not strong enough for, for real VR. But I was able to play a little bit of Skyrim in VR using the Oculus Link. And that was pretty amazing. It's a glimpse of, I think, where this is going. It's quite blurry when you're used to playing Skyrim on a computer screen where it's super sharp and uh, looking great well when you step into vr it's almost as if you need prescription glasses because it's everything is a little bit blurry and movement is a bit chunky clunky clunky chunky uh but it does work in the sense that you really feel that you are in the world of skyrim you can look around and it's pretty cool and that experience alone like, I'm, I'm not really that much into the game itself, but standing on a ledge uh, l overlooking f a forest, and you can see the rays of sun in, reflecting in the water, you can see, you know, snow-capped mountains in the distance, and it's all in 3D, and it feels big, and it feels real, and then you've got the 3D audio as well, which also helps to immerse you in that environment. That's the kind of stuff that I that I dreamt about when this, this technology started to develop. And I think with uh, a better resolution and with more powerful processing, in a few years from now, we're going to be able to be inside the games that we can now only experience on our computer screens. Uh, it, it, I feel that there are still like two or three steps to go in terms of visual quality, but once we're there, it's going to be irresistible. It's really, really cool. So... Uh, looking forward to exploring a little bit more uh, this this whole VR world. I have to say, it's also uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that uh, VR is very invasive. It's uh, it, it it does take a lot of energy to step into a VR world. That's one of the things that I completely underestimated because you think it's just like reality but it's not your brain i think is still doing a whole lot of work in the background to to kind of match what you see and where you are a lot of the things don't correspond yes you can see your hands more or less but they don't really move the same way uh you, you can move through the landscape of skyrim but it's still as if you're on rails as if you're I mean, your your legs are not moving, so it feels like my brain is doing a lot of. Oh, wait a minute! You're yes, this is VR. This is not real, and it's like going back and forth. Um, and so, after an hour or so, I'm just exhausted, and I need to take uh, uh, some time off. So, yeah, it's just one of the things that I did not expect to be a factor in VR. Maybe over time, that will also that will also. Uh, disappear when we got you know other technology that will make the immersion better and and will real will align the virtual reality better with the you know the reality of my body. I saw the an advertisement for a 
for a device which is basically a small um, circular platform uh, that you can use in, in combination with very slippery shoes. And it's got sensors and everything, and it, that will allow you to actually do real walking, which will then translate into movement inside virtual reality. Apparently, this is, was one of those Kickstarter projects that has really hit the mark and uh, is going to be available soon, soonish, for about 2000 bucks. Now, that's a ton of money, of course, but imagine being able to really run and walk in VR. I think that's that's pretty much a, a prerequisite for this technology to go anywhere. You need to be able to walk. And I've done some tests here with the Quest in my own rectory. And, and it, it feels so restrictive to, like, every room has furniture in it. Um, and I want to keep it that way. You know, who wants to free up an entire room for just VR? Most of us don't want that. But not being able to freely roam about is, is just frustrating because the technology kind of shows you the potentiality and then you can't, it's always as you're, you're, you're looking at the, the sky at night and you can't fly towards the stars. Any science fiction fan will understand what I mean. Uh, <laughs> it's frustrating. You want to go. You want to move. Uh, so hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll get to see some of those, uh, you know, walking solutions. I I think that uh, I, I would be in for it if it was uh, affordable and if it would work well. Then that would be something I'd consider buying. However, let's first try to walk in real life after COVID uh, without getting, without losing my breath because that's been hard enough as well. Um, f final piece of tech that I wanted to talk about briefly is, of course, the iPhone 12. Apple did another virtual digital presentation. Um, looked very slick. Too slick, if you ask me. It was overproduced. It felt a bit empty. And it felt boring. Uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, just attack Apple or anything. I think the iPhone 12 is a fine phone, and the, 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 it's got some good, some improvements. It's all kind of gradual. Um, I'm happy for a lot of people that there's now a small factor, a, a small version of the iPhone, the iPhone mini. I think a lot of... People still miss the iPhone 4 and 5, which were, I think, perfect size. And then they started to create these phablets. So I think a lot of people will be happy to get a smaller iPhone 12. Um, and the iPhone 12 Pro, I was pretty impressed by the fact that it could do Dolby, what was it, uh, uh, Dolby Vision, like HDR filming, where when you're filming... Uh, the computer itself, because the iPhone is a computer, but the chip is doing like frame by frame color correction. Um, the The examples that they showed were stunning. Like I, this is something I couldn't do with my with my expensive Canon cameras. Actually, it's one of the things that uh, I've been frustrated about lately. Now that I'm editing my TV show, is. Uh, my Canon, it's a fine little camera when it's on automatic, but it can't deal with a lot of, of, of situations in which I have to film. So I was filming a lot in, during the summertime where you've got harsh sunlight and then I was often in the woods. So you've got all these shadows and oh my goodness, I've, I've been losing so much time on color correction uh, trying to up kind of uh, upgrade the pretty crappy image that the Canon was producing. I added also a, a neutral density filter because I wanted to have that that shallow depth of field even when the sun was shining. But then I didn't take that off when I was filming in the shadows. So a lot of this of the of the image is grainy, and it's like ah, this camera is so dumb. And then I see what Apple is doing with the iPhone 12 Pro. I'm thinking, whoa, that's the kind of technology that I want. 
that I hope that this is coming to regular cameras as well. Uh, but in many examples that they showed now, of course, those examples are produced in optimal circumstances, but still, the kind of image that this phone is 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 delivering is a hundred times better than I can do with with the my camera. So these these phones are super expensive, like more than a thousand bucks. So if you're just going to use it as a phone, I would say, boy, I would I would not spend that money. But if you're thinking of this as a possible production tool that it could, you you could produce television with this, and you can because it 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 films in 4K. It does. Oh, the colors are mind-bogglingly beautiful. Well, then all of a sudden that that price, that high price, becomes less of an issue if you if you could uh, somehow offset that over a number of episodes or productions. The only problem that I still continue to have with when it comes to filming with a phone, of course, is the audio. There is no audio interface. There is no way to uh, capture audio coming from, I don't know, a remote, like a Rode uh, wireless microphone or something like that. If only there would be a solution for that, to have real good hi-fi quality audio that you could that you could record while filming with an iPhone, then I would consider going back to the iPhone. But as far as I know, that's still not possible. So you have to record audio uh, externally, which is a pain because then it adds all sorts of extra work in post production, which you which I want to avoid. I saw that uh, DJI, by the way is probably going to launch a, a new version of their Osmo Mobile Pro, which is a small, tiny gimbal with uh, an a camera, an integrated camera. I've got the, the first version, and it's it's pretty good. I, I use it quite a bit when I'm filming myself on the bike. Uh, but it's also limited. It doesn't have much. Uh, it doesn't have a very good lens. It doesn't have a good aperture. And it's, it's got a major issue when it comes to audio. In order to attach it to a good microphone, you need uh, like a plug that is super expensive, like 80 bucks or something like that. And, and then it, you've got this huge protrusion on the, the underside of the, of, the, of the device. So it, it, it kind of defies the purpose. It, it doesn't work good enough. So apparently I saw an ad... Uh, for a new device, and I think it's going to be the, the second version of this gimbal with integrated uh, lens, and apparently the camera is a lot better. But the coolest thing was, from a leak, the information that it can probably connect to, for instance, a Rode wireless microphone. So you'd be able to capture an interview with perfect crystal clear audio. And then... I'm getting super interested because audio is more important than the image quality. Uh, if, you have, if you've got crappy audio, it doesn't matter how great your iPhone can film HDR. If the audio is not on par with the, the image quality, the, you've got nothing. Well, you can do the nice demo videos, you know, where it's just a bunch of, of pretty images. But, but you can't tell a story. You need audio for that. So that, for me, is something that I hope Apple is going to address. Or maybe has already addressed, but I just don't know about it. But uh, whoa, what I saw was interesting. However, going back to the presentation, I, th I really hope for Apple that they can go back to you know real-life uh, presentations because it's just too slick. And, and a lot of the people that are doing these presentations are kind of long-winded long and a bit boring and they were constantly like 5G, 5G, 5G. 5G is almost nowhere right now. So I don't understand the emphasis on it. It's only going to be such a tiny amount of users that will benefit from those speeds. So, you know, it's like 4K five years ago when they were, you know, always pr promoting stuff. Of course... Over time, 5G will be the norm and the standard. But right now, I, I don't think it's a very good sales pitch to focus on 5G when almost no one has access to that those kind of speeds. Um, and I also thought that it was you know, like I've been watching 
the presentation for about an hour, and it's all these empty hallways of their big donut building. And it feels a bit as if, where is the excitement? Where is there a lot long explanations about the technology and who cares? I want to get excited about something that improves my life. I don't care about the technology behind it. That's for nerds and geeks. So I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity to get people excited. Um, and after having see, watched it, I was like, okay, well, again, the, the, the biggest selling point for the iPhone is their, uh, their video uh, and, and photo technology. It's not even just the hardware. It's it's a software. It's what they do with computational computational uh, video and computational photography. That is where their strength is. Um, but is that enough to to keep the brand alive? People kind of expect Apple to, to to be exciting, and for a couple of years now, I don't know. Maybe it's Tim Cook who is just so boring. <laughs> just a, he, he's so bad at presenting when you compare it to Steve Jobs uh, everything that he, he the, his presentation feels contrived and forced he's just a boring guy and I I don't know I, I just miss more people like Federici who is Federici who, who has a certain flair and a certain I don't know humor and um uh, but also this kind of this sense of discovery. It, it's almost as if Apple is a bit too too rich now. That, that building to me is an example of like everything is too perfect. But it is also it looks like it doesn't look like a place where I would, would like to work. I don't know about you, but when I see what their, their donut building, I'm thinking, oh, man, that looks like a really boring place to, to be. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Just some random thoughts. Love to hear what you think. But for now, I'm going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a patron, I invite you to also check your feed for a new episode of Father Roderick to the Max. I wasn't able to record one last week because of COVID, but uh, there's going to be a new episode this week. And in that episode, I'm going to talk about a fantastic free game that I've been playing, Genshin Impact. And also um, talk a little bit about... Uh, Pumpkins decluttering and Animal Crossing. An upcoming Marvel series made by the people behind Robot Chicken. And I'll give you a recipe for risotto with chanterelles. All that and more in Father Roderick to the Max, available exclusively to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. If you want to get access to the show, just join the club and become part of the community of patrons. Thanks, and I will see you next week.